I'm Alan, and I'm Mark, and we're here to finish up uh, 1994. Part, Part two. two. Part two. Yeah, what that guy said. So uh, we're going to be talking about all sorts of good stuff in uh, this episode. We'll be looking at some of the horror films, some dramas. Uh, we'll see what Siskel and Ebert thought were the best of 1994. We'll see what Oscar gave uh, the films of '94, and we'll, Un, undeserved. I would say so. If you caught the first episode, you might uh, know where I lie on this. Um, yeah. And we'll be talking about some of the. Well, actually, we'll start out by talking about some of the stars and directors of '94. Um, mm-hmm. So, what do you think so far? What 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 is your overview of '94? Um, it rocks. You know what it. And it sucks. You know what? I, I was just thinking, you know, that we, this is a year where, okay, like 88, there was a lot of really cool stuff, but nothing really at the top of the mountain and nothing really at the bottom of the valley. Here you really have that spectrum of really, really great stuff and really, really shitty stuff. And stuff that, that I don't know, that I... I'm I'm really surprised by um, sort of how different even our views on some of these films have been. Well, yeah, because you you are obviously wrong, and I am so so right. <laughs> yeah, or something, or something. Yes. Alrighty then. On that note, let's uh, let let's get into the show. Let us yes. Continue. As you know, I've always been proud that there's not a wedding ring between the lot of us. If the passing of the years, it's suddenly beginning to distress me. I'd like to go to the wedding of someone I really loved for a change. Well, don't blame me. I've asked practically everyone I know. <laughs> You've lost me. Haven't I? Oh, oh Scarlett. W- w- would you like to? No, thank you. It was very nice of you to ask. Well, end uh, time. Quite right, Tom. Quite right. That's the spirit. Now, Tonight, these are your orders. Go forth and conjugate. Find husbands and wives. Excellent plan. What do you think, Fifi? Spot a potential hubby in the throng? Bugger off, Tom. Quite right. Now we come to the our five-star picks of 1994, like the people that we thought really stood out. Um, I'll start it off with uh, somebody I've already mentioned, Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi and Ed Wood. I've... Uh, an astounding performance by him. 
Like he he really showed uh like Bella Lugosi's uh like humanness. Whereas everybody's like you you picture him and he's Dracula or well, actually pretty much Dracula. Everybody <laughs> pictures him as that. And yeah, and it was uh he really showed him as like the, the drug addict that he actually was yeah. and but give give some a human side too, which I he did a really good job of it. No, no, he was great. He was great. Um, my first pick is uh, Brandon Lee. Um, he became famous probably for the wrong reasons this year. Um, he'd yeah. done a few action films before he did The Crow, but um, because of his death on on the set of The Crow, I think it really kind of uh, propelled uh, ticket sales for it and. And and brought a lot of interest to the film, for, for again for all the wrong reasons. But fortunately, he put in a really sol- solid performance in The Crow, and mm-hmm. and was warranted the attention that that it did eventually get. Yeah, I guess yeah, I I, I really enjoyed his performance in it too. Yeah. yeah, and and his previous uh, movie as well. I can't remember the name right now. Something about bullets. Uh, he he did a couple. There's one uh, uh, showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah. With uh, Dolph Lundgren that he did, which was actually not bad. I actually watched that one. It was not bad. And he did one called Rapid Fire as well. I yeah, believe. that's what I'm thinking about. Yeah, Rapid yeah. Fire. I kind of enjoyed that one too. Alrighty, my next pick is Dennis Quaid as Doc Holliday in Wyatt Earp. Uh, unlike um, the what was it the pre- previous year? Uh, Tombstone. Yeah, Tombstone with. Um, Val Kilmer. Oh, thank you, man. I am totally blanking. Yeah, Val Kilmer. Uh, he didn't use makeup to achieve his uh, I've got tuberculosis and I'm dying of it look. Uh, he actually went out and he hired like a, a food guy and he lost like 30 pounds for this role. And if you know Dennis Quaid, he, he's not overly fat. <laughs> he's a kind of slim guy and he dropped 30 pounds to play the role. And uh, he did an awesome job in in the role as well. It just it didn't get as much uh, as much press as it should have because, yeah, uh, Tombstone came out the year before. And I'm was... sure all the cocaine he was doing at the time helped too. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, next, I have uh, John Travolta. Uh, Quentin Tarantino plucked him out of the hell that was "Look Who's Talking" sequels and made him a star again. Uh, his performance as Vinny Vega is, um, I think any actor would have been proud to have had that on their on their roster, and um, it reinvented Travolta. It, what can you say? 1994 was a huge year for this guy. I mean, he had been on top of the world once before, and uh, Pulp Fiction put him back there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Good choice. Uh, mine is, my next one is Gary Oldman as Stansfield in The Professional. Um, like, I liked a lot of the performances in The Professional, but Gary Oldman really stood out in it as this, yeah, this drug-addicted DEA agent who is so dirty that you want to wash after you watch him on screen. But yeah, he really did a good job as it. There are those who would say that this was the beginning of him putting in some very over-the-top performances, though. Um, I think that the character that he was playing, it definitely warranted that kind of big, mm. um, characterization. Um, Oldman, I think has always done really, really solid work, especially when you start looking into some of his earlier stuff, like prick up your ears and, and, um, Sid and Nancy, especially, 
But um, no, he he was fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, next on my list, I have Keanu Reeves. Uh, speed, I think, justified his fame to that point. Uh, there are many who don't really think that he was much of an actor or anything else before Speed. Um, I disagree. I think that you know his his roles in Bill and Ted and at Point Break and stuff like that were fantastic, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, Speed made him an action star, and this is what gave him the cachet to go on to the Matrix films and Constantine and some yeah, of the stuff he that we're also did. Do uh, Little Buddha by Bertolucci this year as well. Yeah, and yeah, he was fairly good as uh, Siddhartha in that. So. Yeah, hmm. good choice. Um, my next one is Tamura Morrison, uh, who's playing Jake Hecke in Once Were Warriors. Uh, he played uh, a drunk, abusive father and husband, and um, but also a likable guy. So I don't know. It was uh, he. I don't think "likable" is the right word. I think that he has he's charming. Yeah, but because of the abuse that he. Um, heaps on in that movie. There's no way that at the end of the movie you can say that he's likable. Well, no, because the abuse negates the charm. And I think yeah, charming is a much better word than likable. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, in, like even in the end, like he is used as a weapon by his wife to destroy yeah. the man. Yeah. This is a movie not a lot of people have seen, and, so yeah. I would I would not go spoiling that because it is it's it's a great movie. It is worth seeing, but um ouch. Yeah, it's a it's a Lee Lee Tomahori movie. Yeah. So which haven't it, seen it. it's weird because I mean once we're once we're warriors is probably one of the heaviest dramas you'll ever see and this director went on to go do Bond films after this, so it's uh <laughs> it, it, it it's quite the leap. And yeah, just uh, Tamora Morrison. Yeah, perfect. Uh, I have Hugh Grant next. Um, his turn in Sirens, and especially in Four Weddings and a Funeral, turned him into the big uh, romantic comedy lead in countless films since. And um, he, he'd been around forever. I mean, we talked about him on the last show in uh, Lair of the White Worm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he'd been in. Uh, uh, Merchant Ivory's uh, Maurice. Um, he'd been in, oh man, so many films, so many films. But um, this really brought him to the attention of North American audiences, and we liked him enough so that he's been rather steadily employed ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even despite his uh, um, real life. Well, but that, that was a little bump in the road. I mean, it was really nothing in yeah. the end. So, yeah. cool. Uh, my my last one on my list is, but not but not necessarily least at all, uh, Massimo Troisi. Uh, is an Italian actor. Um, he was uh, no, just don't you laugh, man. <laughs> okay, and I know you probably haven't. Yeah, you haven't seen the movie, but uh, he started as Mario Ruapolo in uh, Il Postino. Um, it was uh it was his I think uh his first dramatic or not not necessarily his first but uh, uh a rare dramatic performance by this uh, Italian comic actor. 
And uh, he so wanted to get this story out that even though he had like heart problems, uh, he ended up finishing the movie, but died before it was even uh, uh, like edited or anything. So yeah, it was just a, a fantastic performance by him too. So he got a lot of work after that? Uh, none. Oh. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> you you are a bad man. I know. I'm going to hell. I'm saying wee all the way down, too. Uh, my last pick is Jim Carrey. The guy had been around forever um, in silly little comedies like Once Bitten and uh, supporting roles and stuff like, as we talked uh, last week, the Deadpool and uh, Earth Girls are easy. But uh, in 94, he broke in a huge way with yeah. The, the the triple threat that was, you know, Ace Ventura, Dumb and Dumber, and The Mask. He has been pretty much riding the, a, a really high wave ever since. There's been a few dips in his careers. Um, but but any any one of those movies, any, any comedic actor would be happy to have just one of them. Yeah. And he had three in one in year. In one year. And I mean, you know, a lot of successes afterwards um it was it was it was a big year for the guy let's uh move on and talk about some uh directors who kind of broke the broke broke the scene that year who have you got on your list there sir yeah my first director i've already talked about as well with um uh once for warriors lee tamahari um after once for warriors she did uh the great uh Mulholland falls she he did oh, the great she. Mulholland Falls. I thought you said she. Yeah, that's probably because I it flew, flew in with my Once More Warriors. Uh, or you just got shit in your ears. No, that too. Uh, the Long Come a Spider. Uh, Die Another Day. Okay, he did Triple X 2. Okay. He <laughs> um, also did Next, which I kind of enjoyed with Nick Cage. Yeah, well... Uh, Julianne Moore was in that, and that even her being in it couldn't keep me interested. <laughs> wow, I know. that's too bad. I know, but uh, yeah, his his direction in Once for Warriors uh, just amazing. Like even like all the the choices for the the subject matter, even, and he was unflinching doing it. He says, "Well done." Uh, my first pick is John Dahl, who. Um, Came out with two solid, solid movies in 94. Uh, the first being Red Rock West with uh, Nick Cage, Laura Flynn Boyle, and, um, oh, gosh, he just passed away, or he passed away a while ago, uh, J.T. Walsh. Uh, really great um, suspense, mystery, thriller, and he followed that up with uh, the, lo um, the Last Seduction with Linda Florentino, which is just an amazing, amazing film. Um he showed so much promise in this year, and unfortunately, he didn't live up to it. He followed uh, those films up with, um, um, oh gosh, another movie with Linda Florentino that was really awful of her and uh, Ray Liotta. And but, however, the promise came back a little while ago when he did Joyride, which was a very very cool movie. So yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed that. Yeah. So he was my first pick. Awesome. Uh, my next one up is Luc Besson for The Professional. Um, a director who does a lot of his own writing as well. And uh, 
his worlds are usually very well thought out and very well, uh, like just deep and rich and full of flavor, just like a good cup of coffee. <laughs> um, but no, like he he's the one that did uh, Nikita, um, the Big Blue, uh, Fifth Element, and uh, oh, such a fantastic director. Yeah, I just tell you, like, um, the the professional was flawless. I don't, I I didn't see any any mistakes in it at all. Like there might there might be a few little continuity errors or something, but that's not really the director's fault. That's somebody else's, and you know who you are. <laughs> uh, my next pick would be Robert Zemeckis. As much as I fucking hated Forrest Gump, um, Zemeckis really kind of proved himself to be his own man with this film. Um, like I said, he was uh, he was sort of uh, Spielberg's lackey up to this point with the Back to the Future films and um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, I Want to Hold Your Hand, stuff like that. He was His name was so associated in tandem with Spielberg, but uh, Forrest Gump really established him as his own director, and uh, subsequently he's done like Castaway and and um, What Lies Beneath, and he's oh. sort of established himself as his own director. Yeah. Uh, my next one up is Oliver Stone for doing. Uh, uh, oh wow! We just <laughs> Natural Born Killers. Wow! I can't believe I just forgot the name of that. That's crazy. Um, always a good, or always a good director, but uh, even though he is, a little, he was a little bit long in his delivery of movies, like, uh, JFK, even though, uh, it was all super interesting, seems to deal with that conspiracy kind of thing, but, um, uh, in Natural Born Killers, yeah, it was a completely different kind of movie for him, uh, we've already talked about that, like, the directing style was not what he was uh, known uh, for. Stone's always been pretty versatile. I mean, he wrote um, the screenplay for Scarface and then um, did Salvador. And um, then he, you know, he went on and did Platoon and Wall Street and talk radio. Yeah. So, I mean, he's More. been, he's, he's done some very interesting stuff. He doesn't, but this is one movie that holds a, ton of different styles so you know, absolutely visually and stuff like that i mean it's it's far more experimental you actually kind of saw that carry on into did jfk come before or after natural born killers uh, jfk was before so you actually did see that sort of mixing of media with jfk um it was done a little bit more um as a device to sort of show um time dif differentials with that one mm -hmm. um can't remember to do wrong turn before that or after, but uh, he he's been he's been very he's been in very effective in U turn yeah that was after was yeah a couple so, years after he's yeah I think natural born killers was definitely a natural progression for him it, it um I think the yeah, you know, I, I think that Natural Born Killers is very much up his alley. It even stylistically, thematically, um, commentarily, like you know, he just it, it it's very much in his canon, and I think that it's interesting that he 
started with a Tarantino script, though, and and managed to sort of whip it into something that is very, very Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good uh, mashup there between yeah. the two. Uh, my next pick is Kevin Smith. Uh, he really came into the scene in 94, um, established his voice. Uh, anybody who now thinks that Judd Apatow is the second coming, I'm sorry, but, you know, if he's the second coming, then Smith was the first coming. Um, his his style, his his brand of humor, everything else, um, is is what has evolved into what we see now in in movies like um, Super Bad and Knocked Up and all, all that kind of stuff, um, which are all strange enough Apatow movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith. I, I I know that there's people out there that listen who think that he is not all that, but I'm here to tell you that Kevin Smith is all that star Wars jokes included. <laughs> yeah. He's a funny man, really uh, intelligent guy too, yeah. but, uh, and he likes comics. Woo. <laughs> uh, next up for me is Tim Burton, uh, who did, uh, Ed Wood, just the, I, it's just, it's such a fun movie to watch. And just the fact that he was doing it as Ed Wood would, do a movie. Would a uh, woodchuck chuck if uh, Ed would chuck would chuck up chuck in a cashmere sweater? Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. I yeah. I think that uh, the film community actually really took uh, Tim Burton seriously with Ed Wood, which was reflected in the Oscar nominations and everything else that 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 happened. Um, prior to this, he was considered very much a visual artist, and um, it was. I think he was pretty much considered very style over substance. And with Ed Wood, I think that he really had the material to, to match his, mm-hmm. uh, his distinctive style. Yeah. And, uh, one of his yeah frequent team ups there with, uh, uh, Johnny Depp. Yeah. Nah, just, uh, well, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. That was because Edward Scissorhands was before that, right? Yeah. That uh, was 1990. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And uh, for me, my last pick is uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, that was my last pick as well. Yeah. Uh, in the course of two films, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction, he became a household name, which is no easy feat for any director. There's only a handful of directors who um, your mother's going to know their name. We're talking Steven Spielberg and since Tarantino, M. Night Shyamalan. I mean, Except nobody can pronounce his name. Yeah, but uh, but I mean, that is a huge feat, you know, to to be as um, as famous as the as the faces that are in your movies is a it, it is it, it it's a big deal. And Tarantino with uh, Pulp Fiction really got his face out there and got his name known, and you know. He he became part of the vernacular. A film is Tarantino esque, you know. It... Mm-hmm. Like uh, like think of other other directors like Tim Burton. I you and I both know kind of what he looks like because like we're fans of movies. And he's standing in all those pictures with Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah, <sighs> bastard. But uh, yeah, everybody knows who Quentin Tarantino is. They can pay, pick him out of a lineup. Uh, one of my favorite directors there, Lee Lee Tomahori, like or for this year, uh, 
I couldn't pick him out of a lineup if you had two guys in it and his name was on his chest saying, hi, my name is Lee. Yeah. You know? Uh, Tarantino. The thing with Tarantino, though, is that I mean that notoriety that 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 uh, he's very self-promoting. <laughs> he, he is, and he kind of started taking himself a little too seriously right around this time too. This is where he started doing movies like um, Destiny Turns on the Radio, and you know he appeared in um, Desperado and uh, From Dust Till Dawn and stuff like that. He Fancied himself a bit of an actor after Pulp Fiction for a while, and it was a few years later he kind of came back to earth and did uh, Jackie Brown and got back on course. Well, he did the, uh, one of those segments for Four Rooms as well. Yeah. But yeah, Jackie Brown, yeah, right back on top of his game with yeah. that. And then the Kill Bill movies. Yeah. Ah, yes, fun times. Yeah. So those were our picks for um, the stars and directors of 1994. Shall we forge on? We shall, sir. Thirty years had passed, yet her body remained that of an eternal child. Her eyes alone told the story of her age, staring from under her doll-like curls with a questioning that would one day need an answer. Another doll? I have dozens, you realize. I thought you could use one more. Why always on this night? What night? What do you mean? You always give me a doll on the same night every year. Oh. I didn't realize. Is this my birthday? You dress me like a doll. You make my hair like a doll. Why? Some of these, Claudia, are so old. Tattered. You should throw them away. I will, then! Now we're going to talk about some horror films. Well, it seems I'm going to be talking about some horror films, and Mark will talk with me about a horror film. Hey, I just, for some reason, I was as I was going through the list of horror movies from 94, uh, I, I just really hadn't seen very many of them. I, it's weird. Yeah, there were some good ones. Uh, of course, again, there was a whole lot of crap, but... Um, mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's talk about some of the also rans that year. We had, um, brain scan with Edward Furlong. We had the children of the corn three class of 1999 to, um, the hidden Two, leprechaun Two, <laughs> mirror, mirror Two, <laughs> night of the demons Two, phantasm three. Um, the we, re- return of the Tex- Texas Chainsaw, which uh, starred Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger before uh, they really broke through. This was a film that had been sitting on the shelf for a while, and and they finally released it because of they they happened to have a couple of uh, big names in there all of a sudden. Hmm. Um, also, The Watchers Three came out that year, but um, I had also mentioned earlier that uh, Body Snatchers, Abel Ferrer's uh, Body Snatchers, came out, which was his follow up to The Bad Lieutenant, I believe. It starred uh, Gabrielle Anwar, Billy Worth, and Meg Tilly. It um, He set this one on a military base, and we're all familiar with the story. It, it was the basically the same kind of thing that we come to expect from a Body Snatchers film, but I, I, props have to be given to the guy. He, he, did, he made a great film. Um, Cemetery Man was an Italian horror film that starred uh, Rupert Everett. Um, it was about a cemetery keeper who's uh, um, 
night activities tended to be trying to keep the corpses in the grave <laughs> as as they kept uh, resurrecting on him. It's a very, very weird, fucked up little movie, but it is very cool. Um, it's gained a lot of cult status since it came out, and it, it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, Kenneth Branagh took a kick at the classics can following up uh, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's um, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He did uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with a all-star cast that included himself as well as uh, Robert De Niro, Tom Hulse, Helena Bonham Carter, Aidan Quinn, Ian Holm, and John Cleese. This was not really well received critically, but it's not a bad movie, and it it, it is a pretty cool adaptation of the story. I, I actually I do remember seeing this now that we mentioned it here. It's like, oh yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, Robert De Niro as the creature. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, also in '94 was uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which was a very very cool change of pace in the in the Elm Street series. Um, this time, Craven plays himself, Heather Langenkamp plays herself, Robert England plays himself. Um, they're all being plagued by these nightmares of Freddy Krueger, which are starting to bleed into their reality, which is kind of cool because you got this movie with the these people playing themselves mm -hmm. in an alternate reality with the fantasy that they've created. It, it's very cool. Um, Freddy was once again menacing. He wasn't a caricature of the what he had become. You know, in, in all the subsequent subsequent sequels, there wasn't the silly little throwaway funny lines and stuff like that during the kills and stuff like that. It was it was a great great reinvigoration of the series. And I'm now that you're describing it as you are, I'm kind of sad that I missed it because uh... yeah, sitting out in the living room, you can watch it anytime, there, dude. Alrighty, let's do it right now. <laughs> and the one film that Mark has agreed to speak with us with, I will turn to him to 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 lead here. Um, interview with a vampire. Uh, uh, obviously, the one uh, based on Anne Rice's book, uh, starring Brad Pitt, Christian Slater, Tom Cruise. Um, yeah, this was the movie Kirsten that Kirsten Dunst, Antonio Banderas, Stephen Ray, Tandy Newton. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of people on this, but um, yeah, this is the movie that uh, when Anne Rice heard that Tom Cruise was going to be cast as Lestat, she wanted to get her name off of it. Okay, you know what? That's that's all cool behind the scenes stuff, but let's talk about the movie. Um, have you have you ever read the book? Yes, a couple times. Yeah, yeah, great book. Yes. What did you think of the movie? It was amazingly okay. Really? Yeah. See, I thought it was much better than okay. Really? I, um, I, yeah, I, I really, really liked, I kind of didn't like that the very end just kind of plucked out a little bit of, um, stuff that happens later in the series and stuff like that. But, um, I thought it, I thought it was excellent. I thought everybody across the board was excellent in it. I think that the director is uh, Neil Jordan, who did uh, The Crying Game and Mona Lisa and tons and tons of other great films. Did an amazing telling of the story. Tom Cruise, I think it's probably one of the first things that he did that is very, very watchable. Um, 
Kirsten Dunst, for everybody that shits on this poor girl for all the fucking Spider-Man movies and everything else, mm-hmm. if you think that this girl cannot act, go back and watch Interview with a Vampire because she fucking batted it out of the park as Claudia. Mm-hmm. You believe that this was an old soul trapped in a child's body that was that had become corroded and twisted from all of these years of, of, of not being able to physically advance the way she was mentally advancing. I was so impressed with interview with a vampire. I, 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 you never let me finish though. When I said that Anne Rice wanted her name off it when she heard the Tom Cruise. Well, yeah, everybody knows the story. She then she saw the movie and she was, Ooh, yeah, yeah, it was all cool and everything. But I think that distracts from, I saw her in Edmonton. Yeah. She's a freak. Hello. (laughs) But I think that really distracts from the film itself. And I think the film Mm -hmm. itself really does stand on its own. Um, I, I think any author, when they when they give when they sign out away the rights to their books for somebody else to make it, that then you have to go away, and you have to shut up about it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite books, my favorite novel, is *The Hunger* by Whitley Strieber. It was it was turned into a film by uh, Tony Scott. The movie couldn't be more different than the book in in so many ways, but I love the movie as much as I love the book. They are two different entities, and you have to let go of one and embrace the other. You, you know, it, it's two different mediums. And um, that's kind of where I stand on it. I, and I think that Interview with a Vampire, uh, in in terms of being an adaptation, was done very, very faith, faithfully to the book mm-hmm. up until the very, very end. First, Bora has the most enormous difficulty fending off her husband, who tries to have his way with her morning, noon, and night. <laughs> Juliet. <laughs> However, the Queen's biggest problem is her renegade child to yellow, who has proven to be an uncontrollable little blighter who slaughters his nannies whenever the fancy takes him. That's enough, Juliet. I suppose this is your idea of a joke. No, Mrs. Stevens. I suppose you think it witty and clever to mock the royal family, to poke fun at the Queen and the Empire with this rubbish. It's not rubbish. Sit down, Pauline. (coughs) I really don't understand why you are so upset, Mrs. Stevens. I merely wrote an essay on the royal family as requested. It doesn't say. It has to be the Windsors. Sit down! The next genre we're going to talk about are dramas. And uh, we'll quickly run through, well, as quickly as we can run through the also-rans that year because the list is enormous. Holy smokes. Um, okay, also released in 1994 was um, Eight Seconds, Above the Rim, The Air Up There, Andre, Angie, Backbeat, Barcelona, Blue Chips, Blue Sky, The Browning Version, uh, Woody Allen's Bullets Over Broadway, kind of a comedy. Um, we also had Cobb which was a um, uh, Ron Shelton film about Ty Cobb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike Lee's Crooklyn. Um, Double Happiness. Eat, drink, man, woman. Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the awesome Fist of Legend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guarding Tests with uh, Nicolas Cage and uh, uh, Shirley MacLaine. Uh, 
Oh man, there's so many here. We're just we're just skimming through the list here, so that's why you might have a little bit of a uh, quiet times in here. Um, and imag- no, no, I'm sorry. You go. Imaginary ahead. crimes. Um, Immortal Beloved, which we probably should have discussed at some point with uh, Gary Ullman and Isabella Rossellini. Yeah, just there's. There's so, so much. many movies. Uh, the Inkwell intersection with uh, Richard Gere and Sharon Stone. Uh, Jason's Lyric, which was a big breakthrough film for Jada Pinkett. Um, what else we got here? Little Odessa. Little Women, which another one that we should have maybe given a little more attention to, which was with uh, Winona Ryder, Kirsten Dunst, and Susan Sarandon. Um, love affair, uh, Warren Beatty and, and Annette Benning, his, his wife at that point. Um, the remake of Miracle on 34th street, um, Mrs. Parker and the vicious circle, which, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee got a lot of accolades for, uh, Nell, uh, <laughs> a film I know Mark doesn't care too much for, Yeah. uh, North, uh, Nostradamus. Oleana, uh, The Paper, which was a Ron Howard film with, oh man, Glenn Close, Michael Keaton. There's a ton of people in that. Um, as I mentioned before, Red Rock West, uh, Roommates. Scarlet, the follow-up to Gone with the Wind. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. Uh, okay, that was made for TV or something, wasn't it? Was it? I think so. Oh, well then. Was with Forget Joanne, about that. It was with Joanne Whaley Kilmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sister, My Sister, Sleep With Me, uh, The Sum of Us. Oh, I want to <laughs> Sister, talk about My the Sister, sum of us. Sleep With Me. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost kind of, sort of. Um, the Sum of Us. That was a movie I really wanted to talk about, too. That was a... Well, maybe maybe we'll come back around to that. Maybe I'll throw that into the list here. Oh, something that I should mention that we I I have not seen them. I don't know if Mark has or not. And um, I think that true cinemaphiles should probably have seen these movies and should be talking about them. But I didn't see them. They didn't appeal to me. But those would be the three colors: red, white, and blue. And uh, again, yeah, that's something I have not seen. Yeah. Uh, Vanya on 42nd Street, uh, The War, and Widow's Peak. Um, and quickly, just to go back to The Sum of Us, this was a really great uh, Australian film. It was about a father and son who uh, cohabitated together. The father was always meddling into his son's love life and trying to get him hooked up. The twist was that his son was gay. <laughs> and he was played by uh, Russell Crowe. Really? Yeah, and the father was Tom Wilkinson. Really great movie. Awesome. Yeah, it it is it's a great film. If you get a chance to see it, check it out, man. Um, but let's go to what we were planning on speaking of. And first off, you can uh, take it away there. Uh, my first one I'm going to talk about is Il Postino. Uh, like I had mentioned before, um, it has uh, one of my, uh, well, my top five actors of this year in it, uh, Massimo Troisi. Um, it's about uh, an Italian postman who uh, delivers mail to uh, the famous poet Pablo Neruda, and uh, I, uh, Mario is a very very shy guy, and he's in love with the barmaid uh, uh, Beatrice, and he can't he can't tell her how he feels, so. Uh, 
Pablo Neruda uh, tells him how to do it through poems and through poetry. And it's a very well-acted, very beautiful movie. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I... I insist you go see it. <laughs> I actually haven't seen it. I actually avoided watching it because I thought it would bore my balls off. Oh, it's a, it's a good movie. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful little movie. Maybe someday when we're all done all this, I will check it out. Yeah, you just, uh, yeah, you got to, well, of course, it's a subtitled movie. And you got to be fast reader because those Italians speak fast. <laughs> Um, next up, we're going to talk about Blink, which, uh, we actually just watched a couple nights ago. Yeah. This starred, uh, Madeline Stowe and Aiden, Qu- Aiden Quinn. Uh, Stowe was a, she's a blind woman who plays in a band who has a corrective surgery to help, uh, restore her vision. Uh, the problem is that sometimes it takes her a little while to catch up with what she's actually seen. Um, this becomes problematic when a murder happens in the apartment above her and she may or may not have been a witness to it. I like this movie a lot. Yeah, it was it was a good little movie. I kind of enjoyed it. And yet another Aiden Quinn movie this, this year, too. He was yeah. a hard worker that year. He's always working, man. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it's a very cool show. A lot of suspense. Um, a few valid red herrings. There was a couple of times I thought it was the killer was going to be somebody, but and yeah. then, you know, you, you know, but but not in a really kind of manipulative kind of way. Like sometimes thrillers can be a little bit too heavy-handed with the red herrings. These ones I thought were really kind of subtle, and and it kept you guessing and made you think and, and kept you on your toes. Yeah, at one point I thought it was a girl who was who was the killer. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was like, ooh. I'm mouthing the name of an actor to see if this is who Mark thought it was. And I totally can't get it because uh, okay. I'm not a good lip reader. Anyhow, carry on, sir. You can you can take us on to the next film. Uh, the Madness of King George um, with uh, Nigel Hawthorne, Helen Mirren, Ian Holm, uh, Amanda Donahoe's this one too, Rupert Everett. Uh, it's about uh, the King George. <laughs> uh who slowly over time goes mad, just like batshit crazy. And uh, just everybody around him trying to maintain the calm and the cool. And uh, yeah, it turns out, yeah, he was kind of being poisoned. But uh, um, there you go, giving away the endings of the movies again. It's 14 years old. Well, but it's one of those movies that not a lot of people have seen. And I. Kind of the purpose of this is maybe to encourage people to see those movies. So uh, if you've got the ending in your back pocket, you don't really need to see it. Okay, it wasn't poison. It was aliens. <laughs> uh, yeah, and at one point, uh, yeah, he's like peeing blue. And it's really, it's, it's, I, a, it's I, an enjoyable little movie. I saw it when it came out, and I remember that I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I love Helen Mirren. Even back then, I was a big Helen Mirren fan. Oh, yeah. And that was that was the primary reason I wanted to see it. That was actually the reason why we went to go see it. My my my, my roommate and I was Helen Mirren was in it. Yeah, but uh, I just I I don't remember it, and I would really have liked to have seen it before we sat down to watch this again because, as I recall, it was it was a movie that was definitely worth worth some discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, and it's and it's actually based on fact, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. 
Um, next, we're going to talk about uh, Antonia Bird's Priest. This is a film starring uh, Linus Roach, Robert Carlyle, and Tom Wilkinson. Again, Tom Wilkinson. Uh, it's about a young priest who takes over or comes to work in a, in a parish and he starts having a homosexual encounter with a, with a young man that he meets. I know. Shocking. Shocking. Not a priest. I'm telling you, dude. Um, as you can imagine, certain things start getting exposed and, 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 uh, like genitals. Not enough, <laughs> <laughs> but it it is it's it's just a great kind of character study of, about somebody that's torn between um, the road that they think they should be taking and the one that they're following. It uh, it's it's just a it's just a great film about somebody torn between between their faith and their nature, and it's a very very cool movie. Awesome. Uh, next up for me is uh, the Robert Redder. Yeah, Robert Redford directed Quiz Show. Uh, again, like another huge cast of people that there's uh, great actors like John Turturro, Rob Morrow, Ray Fiennes, Paul Schofield, Hank Azaria is in this, Christopher McDonald. Uh, just, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's based again in in fact uh, the the Quiz Show back in the fifties uh, that had like it was completely scripted. Like there was no, there was no uh, chance involved like 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 there is today. Uh, the contestants had the answers or were fed the answers. Well, at least one contestant. Yeah, at least one of them was. Yeah. yeah. In this time, or in this case, it was uh, Ray Fines, the uh, the very good-looking Charles Van Doren, as opposed to uh, John Turturro's Herbie Stemple, who yeah, if you know what John Turturro looks like, yeah. He's a good character actor. Yeah, I didn't get that same dreamy look in my eye and grin on my face when you said Totoro's name was kind of like, ooh, antidote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not but, a big fan. Not a big uh, fan. You really? Yeah. Um, I remember all the buzz that this movie got uh, back when it came out and everything else, and it was much ado about mm-hmm. nothing. I really thought that it was... It was like, who cares? I, I, I didn't get into the movie. I didn't like the characters. I, I, I just didn't enjoy the movie. Oh well, you're obviously mistaken. Okay. <laughs> no, we're each entitled to our opinions because obviously some of your movies I don't like you that there much. You know. Well, here's my next opinion. I submit to you that Peter Jackson has, Peter Jackson has only made two films that are any good. Um, I would have to disagree with that. I would say but, the first one was Frighteners, and the next one, and the other one is the one that we will talk about next, which is Heavenly Creatures. Okay. Both of those are awesome movies. Yes. But bad taste. It's amazing. Yeah. Anywho, Heavenly Creatures. This is uh, Kate Winslet and Melanie Linsky play a couple of uh, schoolgirls who get caught up in a fantasy world and it um, distorts their reality and and fucks with their head enough that they end up doing something pretty heinous. It's based on a true story. And yeah, just like the last three movies we've talked about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, based on a true story, some of the um, voiceover dialogue are actual direct quotes out of the one girl's diary. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Kate Winslet, okay, you know what? I, I had a bit of a bug in my ass about her during the whole Titanic thing, but she consistently is one of the most amazing actresses that is working today. Yeah, every, every role she does is uh, like spot on, just very, like, very full yeah. of acting. <laughs> but no, because but no, it looks, it, it's real. To say but that it's... means that you know that she's kind of taking it next level, but she's not. She she comes off very real, very um, very full and and exactly very real, very. She is that character. You forget for a little while that she is Kate Winslet, and you start believing that she is the character that she's portraying. Um, I just watched Revolutionary Road, and I mean, she was fantastic in that as well. And then this was actually was it her first movie? I think so. Yeah, she'd done stage uh, stage productions before this, but uh, yeah, this was her first movie. Yeah, and uh, a good performance for her, uh, Melanie Linsky. Amazing performance by her. I really enjoyed. It. I was just Whoa. talking to Alan earlier that I, uh, after we'd finished our five stars, that uh, I should have added a sixth one on there and had her on there because, yeah, she did. Well, especially role. now because I, I mean a lot of the parts that she's played subsequently are very bubbly, cheerful, cute little characters like in you know Coyote Ugly and uh, actually Ever After. She was a de- uh, the deputy in Frighteners. Yeah, yeah. Ever After she was you know the 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 cute funny little sidekick Rose on Two and a Half Men. I mean she you know <laughs> she plays the 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 sweet psychotic and just but but in this she's so dark and she's so brooding and. The scowl that she has on her face, she just you don't want to fuck with her. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic performance by her. And yeah, great movie. Yeah. I just got around to watching it for the very first time last night. Uh in preparation for this. Like I I went through like like three movies back to back just to try to get caught up again. And uh yeah, it was I don't understand how I missed it the first yeah. 14 years. And what's really cool about it too is, I mean, like this is fundamentally a drama. It, it's not where you would expect to see a lot of great special effects or, or anything like that, but they're there. Like the, um, the fantasy worlds that they go into, the transitions oh, into yeah. it are amazing. The, the clay, um, the clay figurines that come to life and stuff like that are, I mean, their costumes and stuff like that, but they're very, very well articulated costumes. Very, very well done. Yeah, and it, it it it's a really great movie. And you know, if Peter Jackson could go back to making films like this and Frighteners, we'd Instead have some of the huge, shit big to watch. blockbusters that you're the big pieces of shit that I wouldn't wipe my ass with. Yes, yes, those ones. Well, it would hurt actually. Wipe wipe your ass with like film stock. As long as I got shit on it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Next up is Shallow Grave by Danny Boyle. Uh, this is Danny Boyle's first movie. Yes, this is pre-train spotting. Yeah, this is uh, up till now he'd only done like TV shows and TV like more made made for TV movies in the UK. Uh, fucking brilliant, just an amazing movie. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, Ewan McGregor, uh, Carrie Fox. Fox. Yeah, play uh, three roommates. Uh, who need who who need to take in another flatmate just to meet try to rent. make ends meet yeah. and uh, and yeah it's just the the whole interviewing sequence when they're uh, <laughs> that's some funny shit 
they they are they're very three very 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 tight friends like they they do everything together they pretty much share the same brain um they do find their fourth roommate and he in very short order turns up dead when they uh find his body they also find a suitcase full of cash and it's at this point they have to decide whether or not they're going to call the police and report the death which would mean reporting the money or get rid of the body and keep the cash and it puts them in a rather um, ethical quandary mm. and starts testing the boundaries of their friendship. It is yeah. amazing. This, If you have not mm. seen this movie, give it a... I don't rent, care. Rent it, buy it, borrow yes. it, steal it from 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 your like best friend or yeah. something. But yeah, you've got to watch it. Yeah. I, if, if, if Danny Boyle has blown up your skirt at all with either train spotting or... Um, the 28 days 28 uh yeah 28 days later and and more recently sunshine slum dog uh, millionaire and sunshine yeah. i mean this, this guy's got a great great career in film but this as a debut film is just it's it it's so strong and it really sort of announces his authority as a filmmaker like and mm-hmm. and he made a star out of out of you and mcgregor you know like between this and train spotting, Ewan McGregor has nobody but Danny Boyle to thank for his career. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, Christopher Eccleston hasn't blown up as much as he should have because I think that he is a much better actor than Ewan McGregor. Uh, well, at least as good. Yeah. But yeah, unfortunately, he's stayed pretty much UK. Uh, he did uh, first he, season of Doctor Who. Well, he and Kate Winslet in Jude is amazing that movie is just heartbreaking but we'll get to that movie in that year <laughs> actually yeah and chris rackson was in 28 days later as well yeah okay um next is a roman polanski film called death and the maiden and it's also the um third time i will acknowledge sigourney weaver in our <laughs> <laughs> we're three for three here on the podcast uh and... Yeah, our our next one, or I guess next is two two thousand five. Then after that, seventy three. She wasn't making films back then, so I guess I can't. Uh, I you know it's hilarious doing this because I didn't realize how into Sigourney Weaver I am until we until like every time we do a podcast, her name comes up. <laughs> but um, yeah, Death and the Maiden. This is a pretty, um, very very tight uh, suspense drama thing it it basically there's only two characters in the film uh sigourney weaver's character and ben kingsley's character um she believes that um he's her neighbor and she believes that he was the man who had um imprisoned and tortured and raped her uh to get political secrets or something like that and um she chooses this night to enact her revenge um, it's basically him being tied up and her trying to torment him the same way that she'd been, uh, when she was in, um, um, captivity, whatever, however you want to put it, whenever she was being, uh, kept a prisoner, it, um, just taunt, um, edge of your seat, what's going to happen kind of stuff. Like, it's just, it's really, really cool. Her character so angry and unpredictable that it it really makes you wonder what's going to happen next. 
Awesome. And the last film I was going to mention is uh, Farinelli, which was a Italian film, I think. I'm not too sure. It was Italian or French. And it is based on a true story about um, Carlo Brosci. He was a castrato uh, back during the olden days. <laughs> um, you know what those are? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, he was castrated as a child so that he would maintain the, the high tenor in his voice. And um, he was... It, it's one of those films or one of those stories where instead of a stage mother, you have a stage brother. It is his brother that's sort of um, manipulating him and controlling him and everything else so that they can... So that the brother can sort of stay in 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 the good graces of society and, and wealth of society and stuff like that. And the, 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 the actual, the brother, the talent, the talented brother is sort of, uh, kicked around a little bit. It's a good movie. Actually, I seem to recall watching this. Uh, don't remember, remember anything about it though, but I was just hearing, hearing the description about it and looking at the page on the IMDb. Uh, it seems I have watched this Yeah, or at least I uh, skimmed over it. I don't recall whether or not it got an Oscar nomination for Best Foreign Film or not. Uh, nominated for an Oscar, yeah. There you go. But yeah, it was it was a great movie. And those are the dramas of 94. A few films that kind of fell outside of the genres that we, we discussed um, for 1994 are um, a few foreign films here and a documentary. Uh, the documentary being Hoop Dreams. This got some pretty huge uh, critical uh, acclaim, and it did very well as uh, theatrically for a documentary at this time. You gotta remember this is uh, pre Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit 9/11, and and uh, Bowling for Columbine and stuff like that. This uh, the cool thing about Hoop Dreams was that it almost felt like you were watching a narrative film rather than a documentary because it it followed these two boys. Um, desire to start getting into professional basketball and sort of how that goal could be obtained through the school system and and what have you and sort of the the forces behind getting attaining those dreams teachers parents stuff like that mm -hmm. good movie um, also um, movie I wanted to mention because it's a western and I don't like a lot of westerns and this one I did was uh, Bad Girls with uh, Annie McDowell, Drew Barrymore, Mary Stuart Masterson, and Madeline Stowe, who uh, also was in Blink. Uh, there's a few guys in the movie as well, like James <laughs> Remar, um, Dermot Mulroney. Uh, I forget who else. They're really not that important in the movie because it's all about the bitches. <laughs> uh, they're, they're a group of uh, prostitutes who fly the coop or the whorehouse as it were and uh head off to go uh stake their claim the chicken ranch there you go yeah i knew there was a metaphorical joke to be hatched out of there somewhere Hatch. <laughs> but um it's sort of just silly fun adventure um also a big uh, uh foreign film I saw it, I barely remember it, but I do think it bears mentioning is uh, Bandit Queen. I wanted to see it again before we we did this, which was a um, 
a story about a woman from Middle Eastern culture who kind of, um, rather than be shunned because of something that she's done, she kind of takes her fate in her own hand and um, becomes an outlaw. And also Queen Margot, which starred... Uh, Oh, why am I blanking on her name? Because I love her. Uh, um, Isabella Jante and Vincent Perez. Uh, period. Period drama. Really cool movie. Um, yeah, and that's it. We're ready to move on to other things. Alrighty, we're going to be doing the Siskel and Ebert Top 10 list for 1994. And as always, uh, I'll be doing Roger Ebert. And Alan will be doing Gene Siskel. This will give us a little look at uh, what the critical consensus of 1994 was. Alrighty. Uh, how about you start it off? Alright. Uh, Gene Siskel chose as his number 10 film, Little Women. And Ebert's number 10 film was Quiz Show. Uh, number 9 for Siskel was uh, John Dahl's Red Rock West. Number 9 for Ebert was The New Age. I love that movie. I was going to talk about that one. We didn't get around to it. It's with uh, Peter Weller and Judy Davis. Well, I like Peter Great Weller. Great movie. Pardon me? I like Peter Weller. Yeah, it's done by the guy that did um, The Rapture. Hmm. The Rapture. I love The Rapture. Uh, number eight for Gene Siskel is The Shawshank Redemption. Number eight for Roger Ebert is Natural Born Killers. Number seven for Gene Siskel, Vanya on 42nd Street. Uh, number seven for Roger Ebert is The Blue Kite. Number six for Gene Siskel is Forrest Gump. <laughs> Number six for Ebert is Fresh. Number five for Gene Siskel, Quiz Show. <laughs> Number five for Ebert is The Last Seduction. Number four for Gene Siskel are 32 short films about Glenn Gould. Well, shouldn't I've that be like that. four through 30? Uh, that's, supposed to be another, that's supposed to be a really great movie, and it's one I've yeah. never seen either. Uh, me too. I also have not seen it. Yeah. Uh, number four for Roger Ebert is Forrest Gump. Number three for Gene Siskel, Ed Wood. Ebert's number three uh, choice was Pulp Fiction. Number two for Gene Siskel was, in fact, Pulp Fiction. Roger Ebert had blue, white, and red for his number two pick. Those are actually three different films. I know. I know. Three different films. I, that's how I Cheater. was wondering it, too. <laughs> I know, but again, I still haven't seen them yet, either, yeah. so... Um, and the number one film of 1994 for Gene Siskel was Hoop Dreams. And coincidentally, it was also Ebert's number one film. And I don't even know if I've seen it. I mean, oh, it's a great documentary. Oh. As we just discussed shortly before this. Ah, well. See, I wasn't paying attention to what you're talking about. You just, you're, you're talking whack, whack, whack all the time. It's time for our 1994 Oscar well, it wasn't our Oscar picks, but the Academy's Oscar picks. Uh, starting with the directors. Uh, Quentin Tarantino was up for Pulp Fiction. Robert Redford was up for Quiz Show. Krzysztof uh, Kieslowski for Red. Woody Allen for Bullets Over Broadway. And Robert Zemeckis won it for Forrest Gump. Best Supporting Actress was uh, Jennifer Tilly, nominated for Bullets Over Broadway. Uma Thurman for Pulp Fiction, Helen Mirren for The Madness of King George, Rosemary Harris in Tom and Viv, and the winner was Diane Weist in Bullets Over Broadway. For Best Supporting Actor, uh, Gary Sinise in Forrest Gump, 
Paul Schofield in Quiz Show, Chaz Palminteri in Bullets Over Broadway, Samuel L. Jackson in Pulp Fiction, and Martin Landau, yay, won it for Ed Wood. Uh, Best Actress nominees were Susan Sarandon for The Client, Winona Ryder for Little Women, Miranda Richardson for Tom and Viv, Jodie Foster for Nell, and the winner was Jessica Lange for Blue Sky. And for Best Actor, uh, John Travolta in Pulp Fiction, Paul Newman in Nobody's Fool, Nigel Hawthorne in The Madness of King George, Morgan Freeman in The Shawshank Redemption, and Tom Hanks won it for Forrest Gump. Uh, the Best Picture nominees were The Shawshank Redemption, Quiz Show, Pulp Fiction, Four Weddings and a Funeral, but the winner was Forrest Gump. Boo. Boo. Next, we're going to take a look at films that we thought were overlooked, underrated, or forgotten in 1994. Um, I have a few here that I thought were were a little neglected. <laughs> the first being the other Anne Rice movie, Exit to Eden. This movie was assassinated by critics. It was avoided by audiences. Um, it was probably the top of a lot of uh, worst film of the year lists. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. I actually really, really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, Dana Delaney, Paul Mercurio, um Oh, yeah, Dana Delaney and that awesome, I know. Uh, that leather I know. thing. Yeah. You had um, Iman, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, this was directed by uh, Carl Reiner, who had done Pretty Women or Pretty Woman before this. It was it was a lot of fun. I I thought it was funny. So if you didn't like it, you think I'm an idiot. Well, fuck you. <laughs> uh, also, that year was uh, Greedy, a Michael J. Fox comedy that uh, didn't really get a lot of attention. It was directed by uh, Jonathan Lynn, who had previously done My Cousin Vinny. And it didn't quite perform up to uh, to those expectations, and it uh, it was it was cute though. It was your typical, you know, um, money hungry family waiting for the old bastard to die so that they could get in <laughs> and 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 get the loot. Uh, also, uh, that year was Cold Light of Day with uh, Richard E. Grant. Uh, this was actually remade uh, with Jack Nicholson called The Pledge. Ah. But, um, and it was directed, the pledge was directed by, uh, um, Sean Penn. Cold Light of Day is actually a really, really cool telling of the same story, um, British, of course, with it being, uh, Richard E. Grant and everything. Mute Witness was a very cool horror film. Um, it's been a while since I watched it, but I remember it being amazing. Uh, it was another kind of like Blink where somebody had seen a little bit more than they should have, but, uh, this time instead of blind, She's unable to speak. Um, Sister, My Sister was a very deliberately paced drama that comes to a violent end out of nowhere. Um, very, very cool British flick. Um, oh, I, you know what? I remember us talking about The Sum of Us that I wanted to give it some love someplace. Yeah. I had it on my underrated list, and there it is. Oh, Son of a gun. So, you've, you've already given it love. Yes, you had a little preview of uh, it earlier, so... And my last on my list is um, Spanky the Monkey, which uh, uh, Martini had uh, asked us to make sure is mentioned, and, and justfully so. This was a David O. Russell film, 
mm-hmm. that um, it's very eccentric to say the least. Yeah. This is about a young man who is uh, asked to stay home by his family to nurse his mother after she has broken her leg while his father is away on business. Uh, actually, dad's pretty much just away philandering. And uh, his mother's rather domineering, and the two of them start a rather unconventional relationship <laughs> over the summer. Yeah, you could put it that way. Yeah, this, this is a pretty dark film, very, very dark comedy. It is It is a very good film. I actually liked uh, Russell's follow-up, uh, Flirting with Disaster, better than I liked Spanking the Monkey. Spanking the Monkey is a great film. Um, I would agree. I just... Uh... I got a chance to watch it for the first time uh, yesterday, and yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, very cool show. Um, Martini also mentioned that he thought films that were a little bit uh, under the radar that year were Road to Wellville, which was a story about... Uh, Kellogg. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one that I saw and didn't particularly care for. I... Um, I would love for Martini to write and tell us exactly what it was that he thought um, was of note of this film. Yeah, I I missed it because it didn't hold any interest for me. Still doesn't. Yeah, and also he had mentioned Blank Check, which I find rather interesting. This was a, I thought, kind of a rather disposable comedy with uh, the kid from Family Ties. <laughs> uh, Ricky Schroeder? No, no from family, family oh, ties. Sorry, I'm thinking Silver Spoons. Yeah, the the one that they they birthed on the show and everything. After Tina Yellers got over the cute stage, you know how they always have to bring in another <clears throat> kid after the youngest gets too old to be cute anymore. Oh yeah, Brian, somebody or other, something like that. I can't remember. I haven't seen it since it came out. I I don't really remember anything being too exceptional about it. So, please, Martini, enlighten us. Tell us what it is that we missed. Hmm? And I believe you have one here, too. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, my underrated ones I've already talked about, like Once Were Warriors, Il Postino, uh, Shallow Grave. Um, but uh, one that I haven't talked about yet really very much is Wyatt Earp. Uh, it's a Lawrence Kasdan-directed movie. With, I love Lawrence Kasdan. With uh, Kevin Costner, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman. Uh, Jeff Fahey, Mark Harmon, Michael Madsen, Catherine O'Hara, Bill Pullman, Tom Sizemore, Isabella Rossellini, uh, Joe Beth Williams, Mayor Winningham. Like, it's a fantastic cast. But uh, it was overshadowed by the fact that they got Tombstone out the year before. Also, wasn't it like 16 hours long? It wasn't that bad. Okay, It was and 191 half. minutes in the States. So that's three hours and... 180. Well, 120. It's 3 hours and 10, 11, 11 minutes. minutes. Yeah. It was a great movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed all 3 hours and 11 minutes of it. That's a whole lot of western. Yeah. Well, you just be quiet. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was very well done. Kevin Costner plays the titular role of Wyatt Earp. And yeah, and uh, he did uh, he did a good job of it. Could I like watch I Love You to Death and Body Heat back to back and do a little Lord's Kazdan double feature rather than endure the three hours and eleven minutes of wider? Um you can, but are they from nineteen ninety four? Okay. You got me there. Alrighty, so that wraps that up for uh the underrated and overlooked ones. 
All right, shall we talk about the movies that we thought were perhaps a little overrated and, and best forgotten? We shall. What you got for us there, sir? Well, in my overrated, I have on a piece of paper that I can't quite find right now. <laughs> um, I remember the hype building up for Beverly Hills Cop 3. And I wanted to see it so bad. And when I finally went to go see it, wow. It was like getting kicked in the balls. It was that bad. I, You could tell that the only person who was doing anything in it was Eddie Murphy. Like he was, he knew it was a bad script. Everybody else was just walking through their parts. But and you, you could tell how hard he was working to try to make it a, a, a half decent movie to watch. But yeah, it was still a massive failure. Uh, another one I've got is uh, Blank Man. That is. Uh, Oh, uh, Damon, Wayans. Dame, Damon Wayans, yeah. Plays this inventor that's, yeah, goes out and he's a superhero. Oh, man. Again, I felt ripped off after that movie. And and I watched it in like a dollar theater. Yes, a real dollar theater. I could go in there and pay a dollar to pay for it. And, uh, yeah, I still felt ripped off. Uh, Highlander 3. I can't believe I went to go see that in the theater. Wow. I... Uh, uh, I can't even talk about it. It's that, it. Is that disturbing to me? That was the one with uh, Van Peebles, right? Yeah. God, that was horrible. <laughs> the second one was bad enough, but... The, I hate the when first people one. dog on the second one. No, but... No, the first one it should have been just yeah, oh yeah, just Highlander. Yes, that's it. But then they did the second one and they threw Virginia Madsen in the mix. And I'm sorry, things get forgiven when you got Virginia Madsen there. Uh, no, they're not really regular humans. They're aliens from some other planet. They get yeah, okay, fine. I enjoyed it. Uh, the 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 Renegade cut, not the one that went into theaters. Okay. And nah, last and certainly not least of that bunch was Nell. Um, yeah, what did it have really going for it besides uh, new Jodie Foster? Um, that hell of a lot, a lot because she was way too hairy in it. Natasha Richardson was in it. I like her a lot. And her husband, Liam Neeson, was in that as well. Ah, uh, well... Still, it wasn't a bad movie. It just it. You're right, though. I mean, um, I think there was there was a big audience that that really enjoyed the hell out of it. I think mostly rather estrogen driven audiences, but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, for myself, overrated for 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 '94, Blue Sky. Uh, this was a Tommy Lee Jones, Jessica Lange thing. Jessica Lange won the Academy Award for it. I just could not get into it. It just it completely eluded me. Um, Legends of the Fall, piece of shit. <laughs> um, I just, yeah. Quiz Show, another one, just just didn't ring my bell. And the granddaddy of them all, Forrest Gump. 
I, 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 I would love to further disparage these films, but I just couldn't be bothered wasting my time. <laughs> Which moves us over to our top five films of 1994. And I will let you start with your uh, number five pick there, Mark. My number five pick. Wow, my top five movies, I had to do a lot of soul searching and <laughs> cut deeply off this list. Um, we've already talked about several of these movies, but that that can't be helped in a, in a year like, like this like with so, so many good movies. But my number five of my top five was Pulp Fiction. Uh, not much more we can say about it than we already have, but uh, just... A brilliant, a brilliantly done movie. Yeah, yeah, and and one that that continues to have quite a bit of longevity, longevity and and relevance. And I think it's going to be probably a classic, even thirty, forty years from now, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my number five was The Ref. It's a Ted Demi film starring uh, Dennis Leary, Judy Davis, uh, Kevin Spacey. Uh, Dennis Leary is a uh, jewel thief who is breaking into a safe and ends up in a crazy little, um, what do you call it? Uh, da, 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 da. Hostage situation? No, no one. Booby trap. Oh. The, everything's all booby trapped and he ends up bungling the, the thing and has to get away. His getaway driver takes away takes off on him and he ends up taking hostage a, uh, a bickering married couple who tend to make the rest of his night a living fucking hell. This is actually one of my favorite Christmas movies. See, it, I haven't seen it yet, so you're kidding. I I know it was one of those ones. Was like, hey, you've got to see this, and I just I never had the time when I when it was out, and it's it so is hysterically like, funny. Long. Like it is fucking laugh till you hurt funny. Like it is just a great great movie. Well, we definitely have to sit down and watch it at some point. Alrighty. Uh, my number four which I'm pretty sure is probably going to be on your list somewhere too, is Nobody's Fool by Robert Benton, starring uh, Paul Newman, Jessica Tandy, Bruce Willis, and Melanie Griffith. Uh, you introduced me to this movie just this past week, and I laughed and I cried, and holy shit, it is such a good movie. When we, when I told you about this movie, I said, you have to see this before we do the podcast. And once you've seen it, I guarantee it'll be in your top five. And here we are. Yep. You should have put money on that. Because, <laughs> uh. It's, it's a great movie. Paul Newman stars as this, um, 60 something year old man who has basically, um, wasted his life away. Yeah. Just, just coasting through life. Yeah. And, um, he's abandoned his family. And uh, has basically just blown where wherever the wind takes him, kind of thing. But but still staying in the in the same small town that he was born and raised in. But um, never never settling any kind of um, relationship roots of any kind. Like he doesn't know his son. Uh, his ex wife lives in the same town, and they never cross paths. Five blocks away. Yeah, <laughs> and um, it just. And suddenly everything starts changing. His son is back in town for, for uh, Thanksgiving 
and he <laughs> has a chance encounter with them out on the out on the road and um they they start rekindling their relationship and it's just it's a beautiful movie like i i hate to use such a fucking clunky word like beautiful to describe a movie but it is it is poetic and it is oh it, it makes you smile inside there and there's so many different relationships going on there and he is he is the glue yeah that's just it i mean he he is he comes off and i think he even sees himself as such a nobody but he is somebody to so many people like you know mm-hmm. he 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 really does have an impact on a lot of lives and he was probably never aware of it until things really kind of start falling into place mm-hmm. it it is just a great great movie and the interaction between uh, his character sully and bruce willis's character carl oh <laughs> like you first see them and they're in court against each other. He's suing Carl for money that he thinks he's owed. Yeah. And but the next time you see them, they're sitting at the same poker game. Yeah. Like they're and they're friends. Yeah. Oh, well, doesn't he take the job from him first? Yeah. And then there's the one-legged lawyer, and <laughs> oh man, it's just it's great. And the whole the whole snowplow thing. Uh, snowblower. Snowblower through the whole <laughs> thing. Oh man, it, it's it's just it's just a, it's a great movie. Great movie. Oh, and the dog. Oh, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> you broke uh, him, you take him. If you haven't seen it, you, you've got to. Yeah. I am so glad that I have. Yeah. And when we were talking about this earlier, when Paul Newman passed, you know, I, like, I know he's been in so many great films, you know, The Sting, The Hustler, um, Butch and Butch, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I think Paul Newman and I think Nobody's Fool because mm-hmm. it was just, it was just such a great movie. Um, my number four was another one that we just, I introduced to you this week as well, which was uh, swimming with sharks with Kevin Spacey and Frank Wally and Henry Thomas. No, Michelle no, Forbes. That wasn't, that wasn't Henry Thomas. Who am I thinking about? Ooh, never mind. But yeah, Michelle Forbes. Yes. This is a, uh, this is a film about a rather put upon, uh, Hollywood executives assistant and, who has finally kind of hit the breaking point of all the abuse that his boss is dishing out to him and takes uh, matters into his own hands. Yes. It takes the revenge path and it is uh, the film's done in flashbacks as he's holding his boss hostage and, and going over the events that led them to this fateful night. It is bitingly funny. Like this is true black comedy. Like it is, you know, it, it's funny. Mm-hmm. But it's it's got such a dark little heart, and it just it cracks me up. Yeah, I I rather enjoyed it. It was so so well done. Kevin Spacey was just perfect in it. Yeah, as the asshole boss. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And those other little suck ups of that were his friends. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. Hey. How you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Those guys were. Yeah, it was a it was a good movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's a great film. Alrighty, my number three movie we've already talked about as well was Once We're Warriors. Ah, um, yeah, I knew it was going to be in my top five somewhere. I just don't know where. I'm Actually, a little shocked that it's as low as number three. I know, but there's <laughs> there's so many there's there were so many movies that uh, I, I I couldn't help but put it in three, which was as high as I could put it. All uh, right. It was so 
it was a struggle to get it. I'm telling you, dude, down to three. Some of these become like fucking Sophie's Choice. It's like which one, which one can I live without, kind of thing. And it's yeah, you know, it's and the thing is too, you're putting it out there so you can't go tomorrow. You know, like well, you know, it's just like whatever kind of thing. Like mm. it's out there now. But <laughs> uh, my number three was your number four. Nobody's fool. Uh, just it's an amazing movie. There's. I implore you to see this if you have not. It 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 is a great, great, great film. Um, one of Jessica Tandy's last roles, actually, wasn't it? I think it was her last role. The film is dedicated to her. So yeah, just uh, yeah, yeah, fucking awesome. And she is so good in it too. And again, this is like um like running on empty. This is not a movie where people are gonna die and shit like that. Like it's not one of those you know. Um, paint by numbers, fucking manipulate you, make you cry kind of dramas. This is a really great make you smile on the inside kind of movie. Yeah, there's no huge uh, build up to a huge climax and then yeah. the fall. Yeah. It's, no. yeah. And yes, you're right. It was her last movie. Yeah. As Beryl Peoples. Uh, actually, Paul Newman's character's old grade teacher. Uh, grade four teacher. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, my number two pick was The Professional. Again, I'm surprised so low. Um, it has to be this low. I, th- I for sure was, I was expecting either Professional number one or Once Were Warriors number one and then whichever one didn't make number one as your number two. I'm really curious about what your number one's going to be now. Um, but yeah, uh, we've already talked about it. It is an almost perfect movie. Uh, the action sequences are just brilliant. The interaction between all the characters is fantastic. Uh, oh, I loved it. And I can watch it uh, at least once a year. I probably have. You know. And now that I have the director's extended cut, yes. Very cool. Uh, my number two is Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. I I I think this is a great movie. This is, um, it has so much to say about the world that it was made in, probably the world that we still live in, and um, it it I think it's too kind of like um a Clockwork Orange, where it may have been adopted by an audience that the director didn't necessarily intend to um enjoy it. Actually, I think it has a lot more relevance to today's society than it did 14 years ago. Really. With with our reality based television that we have, yeah, but I I don't know. It's it's not like we're seeing um, as many kind of scandals and um, I mean, aside from OJ just going to jail and stuff like that, there it, it doesn't seem to be happening the same way that it did in the in that particular in that particular time where there is. Well, it still kind of follows the. Um, uh, Jerry Springer kind of uh, no no uh, you, you you always go there and that's really not no. that's really not the indictment that he was making he was making an indictment about um who was in who was on the front page of of the newspaper who was the the opening story on the news you know these people who didn't deserve whatever fame they got for whatever nefarious activities that they were up to in order to get it and Jerry Springer doesn't make the paper. He doesn't make 
the news. It, it, mm. You know what I mean? He's actually a joke now, but yeah. So yeah, that was my number two, and I'm. This is it. I, there should be a drum roll here because I am dying to find out your number one. My number one pick for 1994 is Frank Darabont and Stephen King's Shawshank Redemption. Ah. Uh, I know it is currently number one on the top 250 on the IMDb, but that's only because The Godfather was voted down when uh, The Dark Knight came out. Uh, or was that Batman Returns? Dark Knight. Dark Knight. All right. Um, but yeah, it's based on the short story by Stephen King, uh, Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, about uh, a man who was sent to prison for maybe killing his wife and her lover. Uh and yeah, it's set back in like like the the 30s or so, and it's uh it's great, starring like Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, uh, Clancy Brown's in it too. I like Clancy Brown. And um, what's his nut? Uh, oh, he was in Choke and um, yeah. Charlie's Angels. Um, oh, never mind. Who <laughs> is? But, uh, yeah, just um, uh, Morgan Freeman plays uh, Red Redding, uh, kind of the, the, the go-to guy in prison. Like, you go to him if you want to get anything. And like he's kind of like, like the king of the prison. And uh, Tim Robbins' character asks him for a small hammer, like a little rock hammer so he can, like, break tiny rocks and... Uh, it's it's laughably small, this little hammer, so you know that he's not going to be escaping prison with this hammer. And uh, just, uh, it was such a beautifully crafted movie and so so true to the story. Probably one of the, the first and best adaptations of a Stephen King book or story that uh, has ever been. And uh, actually, Darabont did two other Stephen King uh, uh, stories as well, uh, The Green Mile and The Mist. I love The Mist. Yeah. I almost put this on my overrated list. Really? Not that I think that it's a bad movie. I, I, like, I, I do think that it is a very good movie, but I do think it is very overrated. Um, now, see, I, I can watch it over and over again. Like, it is one of those ones where it's like... I. At the end of it, I've got this big happy uh, feeling. See, uh, I've seen it. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, 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 it really interests me how people are, do get attached to this film because there are a lot of people that are very, very attached to this film. Obviously, number one on the IMDb, there's a lot of people that champion this film. Yeah. Um, I think, I, like I said, I don't think it's a bad movie. And the only thing that kept me from putting it on my overrated list. Was I did not want to deal with the flack that I would get for putting it on there, um, but 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 Forrest Gump was okay to put on your list. Prorated? Yeah, yeah. And you're not gonna you're not worried about it with the flack you're gonna no. catch for that one. Forrest Gump is done. Forrest Gump was done the day after it it, it was released on video. Like, no, fucking nobody gives a shit about Forrest Gump anymore. Like. That's that's what I mean. Whereas you know, but life is like a box yeah. of chocolates. But Shawshank Redemption is an, another one like Pulp Fiction. It's going to live on for a long time. Forrest yeah. Gump is done, and you can watch this over and over again. You don't you don't have to have the uh, 
the political and media references that that you you might need for Forrest Gump, because it it does it does reference a lot of uh, timely things. Yeah, but but significant things in in throughout history that I think everybody should be, uh, if they're not aware of, they should be aware of, kind of thing. You know, you would think. Yeah, but. It, this it, this movie here doesn't doesn't require you to have any prior knowledge of American history. Okay. <laughs> so that in itself makes makes it a far superior movie. Uh, okay. The fact that you don't have to think in order to see it makes it better. <laughs> Shut your hole, sir. All right. My number one is the last seduction. Hmm. Um, this stars Linda Fiorentino and Peter Berg and Bill Pullman. It's about a woman who manages to uh, steal a lot of cash from her husband and goes on the lam because he slapped her. She has no moral compass. She has no conscience. She eats people and spits them out whole. She's the devil. Mm. And I love her. <laughs> Linda Fiorentino is amazing in this movie. Um, Showtime helped co-produ- co-produce the, this film, which was directed by John Dahl. Um, and they, as part of the conditioning of them giving part of the money for making the film, was to have it air on Showtime one time before it was released in theaters. That one airing on Showtime disqualified it from the Academy Awards. Wow. Linda Fiorentino was denied the Best Actress Oscar that she deserved unquestionably for watching this film and go back and read and you will see that there are a lot of critics that will tell you exactly the same thing that this was the performance of the year this was quite possibly the movie of the year depending on how gumped you got but um this is an amazing amazing film that um deserves to be seen by more people than it has been seen by um it it is so smart it is so sharp it is so sexual it is so violent it is so crazy in its brilliance like it is just ah i love this movie well i heard it was a piece of poop well i'm just kidding i haven't heard anything about it. Words! <laughs> put them up put them up yeah. um how about how about movies that didn't make the cut on your top five, like, do you have any just offhand um, that you can think of? The, the, I've got one that's sitting right outside of it, and that was the New Age. See, I had I had three that were in my top eight. <laughs> oh, no. Which were uh, Shallow Grave, The Crow, and Clerks. Yeah, like those were hard to cut from the list, but the other ones were just. Oh, if it was if it was top ten, Clerks would definitely be in there. Oh yeah, yeah, and Pulp Fiction would probably make its way in there. I, as well. I was just thinking, yeah, if we had a top ten, it'd be easy to fill that yeah. ten. But, there, uh, there are some years where it's not as easy. Yeah, but I mean, that's, I kind of like that we're doing the top five because if you do have a top ten, it gives you a lot of comfort, you know. But it, it's which do you push up to those final five slots? Like which mm-hmm. ones, you know, which ones, if, if you had to pick, you know, five movies out of your DVD collection and that was it, which five would they be? And see, Shawshank Redemption is one of my top five of all time. So. And you don't own it on DVD? I do. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. I, I've never seen it in your list or on your. Yeah. It's in there. Cool. Well, that was 1994. All right. And um, 
We hope you've enjoyed hearing us ramble on about what it was that we loved and hated and everything else. <laughs> and we would love to hear more comments from you. Um, again, Martini, I'm, I, I'm asking, you know, give it, give us why you thought uh, Road to Wellville and, um, and uh, Blank Check were, were big films of 94. We'll pass it on. Like, I, I, I justified why I picked mine here. I want to hear your justification. Yeah, send us an email and we'll read it like word for word, man. Yeah. Uh, with, speaking of email, you can send email to hermophobia at gmail.com. Or post on our blog, which is at hermophobia.blogspot.com. And if I sound like I've been riding a ship through the fog here, it's because I have a bitch of a cold I've been fighting for ages here yeah if if you could just see the recording of this uh we're stopping every like 15 20 minutes if you could like hack up a lung yeah like all the lung matter on his desk right now i wouldn't want to touch it over there because it's probably infectious i've been barking like a trained seal all night here so (laughs) um but onward we go from here we're going to be looking at 2005 Uh, i'm not sure you're, you're the one who made up the list. I know, but I can't be expected to think, too. Oh, well. Um, actually, I put the list on the, the page so you can get a little sneak yeah. peek at what we're going to be doing next. Um, 2005 is next. Next will be 2005. I haven't got a clue what came out in 2005 yet, but I am uh, curious to see. Right on. And, again, if you guys think that there's anything that you don't want us to miss about 2005 then uh shoot us a message at the aforementioned places and uh and let us know and just just for people keeping track uh 383 movies in 94 uh, on the list that we that we ran up yeah so and then would have thought i would have thought it would be more yeah like like remember we we had we had thought there's going to be hundreds more yeah yeah but i guess there there there's a saturation point of just how many movies can be made and released well but okay we're, we're digressing here but when we should be closing but um in you have so many more screens available now than you did say back in the 70s you have the multiplexes that weren't there in the 70s plus you also have cheap filmmaking happening now that wasn't the same you, you couldn't make a film independently in the 70s the way that you can now you can you can buy over-the-counter digital cameras and make a feature film where you couldn't have done that in 73 so there are there i think that there is more product going out there it's just maybe it's not finding its way into to to our resources the same way i don't know mm-hmm. i don't know anyhow end of discussion end of show end of 1994 Alrighty, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.